And then you realize Mm -hmm. the impact that we potentially have on one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To the degree that you love someone and you loved him, he's a big part of your your, your childhood. Mm -hmm. That's the extent that we'll grieve. So you allowed yourself to attach to him and you'll get the back end of it. That's why we need to make peace with sadness and, and not resist it, understand it and learn it. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Before we start the show, I have something to share with you. If you or someone close to you is suffering from a sense of anxiety or loneliness, the truth is anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness affecting 40 million adults in the United States every year alone. And according to a recent study, more than 60% of Americans report feeling lonely, left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. This matters a lot because loneliness is stressful enough to raise all-cause mortality by up to 30%. So, I've written a free guide with 10 ways you can start to overcome anxiety and defeat your loneliness. Don't wait on positive emotions. Learn how to create them for yourself starting right now. You can grab the guide by heading over to drmartinfletcher.com. That's doctor spelled drmartinfletcher.com. Good morning, Marty. Good morning, Matt. Hey, I am really looking forward to our conversation today because I was frustrated this week reading through people that I know and love and care about and some of their posts, and I was just feeling sad. And it reminded me just, it feels today like emotions are running our planet. And maybe that's not new, or maybe it is exacerbated because of social media and stuff like that. But I wanted to talk about sadness. Yeah, sadness. Now, that's a good one to talk about because most people, th- we were joking on the when you told me the topic that you wanted to do. And what did we say? It was the happy truth about sadness. The happy truth about <laughs> sadness. You know, right. I remember one of the first times that you and I were having a conversation as we were walking on the trail and you said something so good about sadness that we do not need to fear it. Right. You know, and and fearing the sadness, it'll be replaced by a more intense and less gentle emotion. And that's usually going to be anger, right? People, when they don't want to feel sad, often will meet with anger or fear. Yeah. I think that part of what I've seen in my role as pastor is that we have been impaired. In other words, there is this approach to sadness that really is tough. And I don't know if it goes back to some of the mottos that we grew up with, like big boys don't cry, whether there's just so much violence right now. Even when I was a little kid growing up in a church, which I did grow up in church, there was this song away in a manger that you sang every Christmas. And there was a line in there, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, no crying he makes. And every time I felt like crying as a kid, I thought, Mm. well, Jesus didn't cry, so I shouldn't cry. Well, until I read the Boundaries book by Cloud and Townsend, they said your emotions are signals from God. And even the bad ones, which some of us put 
sadness or we've grown up putting sadness in the bad emotions category. And, and I think it means I'm, I've lost something. For sure. That's, that's a big part of it. A, a loss or a perceive, perceived loss, right? Or yeah. anticipated loss, but it wants to complete itself. So yes, that is the, the front of it. But what does it want? It want? Every emotion wants to complete itself. It wants something. What does sadness want? What, what, what's it calling for? I think it's calling for an acknowledgement of what was lost. It's calling for ultimately ending up back in peace or in equilibrium that didn't exist before. Yeah, it wants comfort. It's, it's calling mm. out to people. What we really want when we're sad is we, we've talked about sadness as an attachment emotion, right? When we love something or someone or even an idea or a dream, we attach to that. We start to love it. Well, the shadow side of that, of that love is going to be sadness, hmm. right? That's, what, that's what, what happens as a consequence. And what I see in my patients, many of them, is if they don't make peace with sadness, learn it, you know, accept it, learn how to feel it, they will not attach. They'll not love. I have lots of, about half the people have attachment disorders, which means they weren't loved unconditionally. And therefore they learn, oh, it's dangerous to get close to people. And, and they don't even think the thought, they just behave it because they, that's been their reality. So as they start to attach to someone, anxiety will go up. And that is because they did not learn how to feel the sadness of that. Because there's an agreement when we have children or when we get married, there, there's an agreement, isn't there? I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose all of it. Yeah. It's all gonna change and, and, and it's gonna go away. It's interesting, there's such a fear to being attached. You know, it goes back to Simon Garfunkel's song from 50 years ago, I am a rock, mm -hmm. you know, because a rock feels no pain. Right. And an island, what is, never cries. Is that what it is? That's it. That is it. Yes, that's yeah. right. Talk about completing the emotion. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and I think that sadness, it kind of weaves its way around people. It weaves its way around communities. And I think what I fear about sadness is when I'm feeling that way, it just feels like I've let myself start rolling down a hill and I'm never going to hit the bottom or it's never going to climb out of it again. Is that normal? Oh, gosh, yes. That's so common. People are afraid to go there because they don't realize that it's going to go someplace. What happens with sadness, and you, you know, if you're listening, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm making sort of like a bell graph. You know what I mean? Like Because what happens with sadness, if we don't interfere with it, and that means we don't numb out on food, drugs, sugar, whatever, or mm -hmm. anger. We don't stop it with anger. We don't stop it with fear or distraction, whatever that is going right. to be. Is, it's going to climb and it's going to climb like a sneeze. And then if it's intense enough, it's going to peak. And then what happens after it peaks? You cry. And then mm -hmm. what happens on the other side of that? You eventually stop crying. But, but you're, you're comforted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comforts. There's a line in the, in the Gospels, right? My blessed mm -hmm. are those who mourn for they will be comforted comforted because it does if you notice if you let this emotion happen and don't fight it don't stop it what will happen is it's a hypo emotion the anger and fear are hyper right they want that they're full of energy and tension mm -hmm. this one if you don't interfere with it and by that i mean by getting angry or you know guilty about it or anxious about it like what's wrong with me what's wrong with me and just let it happen it'll be like a sneeze where at the end of it you feel uh you know we have we, we release painkillers, endogenous morphines, like enkephalin is one that we release. So that's given to us like a morphine pump, I think, if we let it happen, if we're not afraid of it. Wow. And does that occur even if there's no tears? Uh, it, well, there's different intensities to the emotion. So mm -hmm. the lowest level of sadness, what, what would you say the lowest level of sadness would be? Mm. 
In terms of physiologically or in terms of a word to describe it? Whatever you want to say about it. Like, 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 let's look at the range because we know what the most intense range is, is this tremendous just yeah, grief. Weeping. Right. Yes, right. right. But what, the, what would be the lowest level, do you think? I, I have my idea. I mean, I would just say feeling blue or, or in a mood. How about disappointment? Disappointment. Wow. Yeah, I never tied disappointment with sadness. Before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, there, and it's there all the time if you don't fight. So did you see this movie? I'm just infatuated with this movie and have been for a few months, but it's Terrence Malick's Tree of Life. I did not see it. Oh, we got to watch it. We should watch it together. I'll have you over. We'll watch it. But because you have, this is the bet, my favorite Christian movie just about. It's in the top three. But there's a beginning of this where the voiceover of the woman is a couple, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and their child ends up dying. I won't get, get into the plot. But, but there's this line that just I've been meditating on at the beginning. So the quote is the, the woman's voice saying, the nuns taught us there are two ways through life, the way of nature and the way of grace. You have to choose which one you'll follow. Grace doesn't try to please itself, accepts being slighted, forgotten, disliked. What do you think about that? Accepts being slighted. Wow. And it goes on to say, grace doesn't try to please itself, accepts being slighted, forgotten, disliked, accepts insults and injuries, accepts insults and injuries. Nature, and she contrasts, mm-hmm. nature only wants to please itself. Get others to please it too. Likes to lord it over them, to have its own way. It finds reasons to be unhappy when all the world is shining around it and love is smiling through all things. Wow. So do, do, do you see why I'm bringing this up now? Because it's the whole thing about this. I mean, how do you feel when you're, when you're insulted, when you're forgotten or when you're slighted? Yeah. Yeah. In this view, grace has, is, is wedded to uh, sadness or the willing to, to feel sad and not want the revenge and not want the judgment, not, not take the way of nature. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful because oftentimes I think of sadness as it's leading me somewhere. And for a lot of people, I think it leads them to from sadness. I don't, I'm tired of being hurt, so I'm just going to be angry. Mm-hmm. For sure. Versus, you know, or I'm sad and I'm feeling hurt and sad and disappointed. So it's going to lead me to distraction or to mm-hmm. let me just go be entertained. Mm-hmm. But to think about sadness when it's not focusing on my natural state, which is to focus on myself, really opens things up. Well, consider nostalgia. Do you ever do that? You ever watch old videos or go mm-hmm. through old photos? And do you ever get that feeling of, you know, it's a sad feeling? Right. But, but we don't probably characterize it that much. Like, you know, Griffin, my oldest is leaving the house. And so yesterday we're sitting around and, you know, Sundays, so everything's slowing down. And, and I'm thinking about all those times when he was mm-hmm. little, right. Cause these are the same rooms and, and he's doing different things now. And now, you know, this is the first one leaving our house. And I started to feel nostalgic, but I didn't want to shut it off. Right. I right. wanted to immerse in that because I think it's, it's related to love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really powerful. And I think, what do you call it when somebody gets into sadness and like a broken record, they get, do people get stuck there? No, they, they don't. It is a look, cause here's what you're doing. When I hear you ask me that, because I've thought about it and studied it. And I hear you ask me, do you ever get stuck? And can you get stuck in acceptance? That's what I'm hearing. Because that's what you're doing there. You're feeling the extent of a loss deeply. So you accept it by meaning, no, this is reality. 
this is reality. Because most of what we're talking about when we talk about anger, what you brought up a few minutes ago is this. Reality is happening, okay? I'm, I'm not the master of the universe, and reality is happening in a way I do not want it to happen. Therefore, I do not accept this. This will not stand. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it is when we get angry, right? Yeah. And then eventually, yeah. guess what we have to do? If we, if we want to have people around us and you know, be tolerated by people, we're going to have to accept it. When is, is the question. That's why I like that quote about grace. You know, it accepts right. the insults and slights and injuries, you know, and the rejections mm. and all of that stuff. I want to be like that. That's powerful. Yeah. That I think for a lot of people, at least in pop culture, that kind of acceptance is seen as weakness or victimhood, but it's not. It's naming the reality and naming how you relate to it, I think. I think you're exactly right. Matter of fact, I would go the other way. I think that's strength. I think it's strength. If you don't run from something, and that's what we're doing. We're running like, I say, I don't do that to people anymore because I've forgiven everybody and all that stuff, but I'll do it to objects. So if an object doesn't behave the way or my fingers don't behave or I'll do it to me sometimes, like I can't get the screw in or something like that. And I'll start, I don't accept that reality. Yeah. And it, it, and I got it, so mad this pee. Saturday for <laughs> that exact pee? reason. What happened? Yeah. What are you fixing? Oh what? my gosh. I was putting together a tool chest. Uh -huh. And it's a big one. And so part of it sits on top and they give you these screws that are way bigger than these tiny little sheet metal holes that you're supposed to put them through. Yeah. And I could not get them through. Uh -huh. And so it's still sitting there detached, but on top. It's, it's sad when I don't even have a tool. <laughs> like I, I shouldn't even be allowed to own this toolbox since I can't put it together. Oh, that's, so you, that's what I did. I did get a man of myself. I dropped my um, first Apple Watch. We were like out kayaking and I was so angry for so long. And I was, and I go, why am I so angry? I'm angry at me. I'm yeah. being, you know, the, the people who taught me to punish, want to punish myself when I didn't mean to do it. Clearly I want the right. loss. I didn't accident. want that to happen, but I was, I beating myself up so much about that. The appropriate emotion when you lose a new watch, something that you love would have been sadness disappointment like oh man but the, the i had accepted eventually anyway mm -hmm. why did it take me like 15 minutes of beating myself up because i couldn't accept that that was not the way of grace for myself right. right wow that's funny it's a really good name that the woman who reads in the movie says natural versus grace oh yeah nature versus nature grace. Yep. versus yep. grace because yep. i think we somehow put ourselves all in the grace category even though most of the time we're living out of our natural instincts and the nature version of ourselves. And I think that's what I would say as a Christ follower with this worldview is that grace is so alien. It is so not natural to us. And I mean, that's what got Jesus killed, let's face mm -hmm. it. But we have a hard time getting to that point. And yet, yet in God's grace, it gives us sadness, you know, whether somebody knows God by name or not. And what's fascinating is what the Bible says about Jesus and how he experienced sorrow and sadness. The shortest verse in the Bible, you could argue, is John eleven thirty five, which says, Jesus wept. Yeah. Say more about that because I've always, I'm not sure, I know I am sure that I don't understand stand it fully because I keep looking it up and I'm not comfortable with what I know about that. What did that mean? It's in there for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is in there for a reason. What does it mean that we got to see that, that he showed us that that line? Yeah. Well, it's not the only time it talks about Jesus not being afraid to show his emotions, including sadness. It's on the list. And, and what had happened was Jesus, I think maybe his best friend was a guy 
we don't know his name as much, named Lazarus. And because anytime Jesus went somewhere, he would stop in Bethany, where there was Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mm-hmm. And all this crazy stuff happens in Bethany where they live. But one time, Lazarus actually dies and he's dead four days and Jesus was gone and he returns. And I think seeing the sorrow throughout Jesus' ministry, he kept stopping in Bethany. And with Lazarus gone, Jesus got to Bethany after he had just died. And it's in the Gospel of John and he says, Jesus wept. And I just want to say the meaning of it, the sorrow, the sadness, the having lost something is so powerful. He cried. He wasn't afraid to admit his sorrow. He wasn't ashamed of his emotions, which I think gets added into so many of us when we are experiencing that. You know, there was another time when Jesus, he was not afraid to let people see and know how he really felt. And yet we've got this childish shame of showing our emotions or not showing our emotions. And there's another time when Jesus had just started out in ministry. You know, he's about 30 years old when that happened. Before then, he was a carpenter in his father's shop, basically. And his mission had just begun. He had just gathered his disciples, and things were going well. And then he gets this bad news. And when Jesus hears that his cousin, John the Baptist, who he loved, who he admired, was beheaded, brutally murdered, This is what happened, and this is in Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. Matthew writes, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And then hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. It's this pattern that Jesus, he withdraws for a while, but not too long. Mm -hmm. and. I think sometimes we turn grief into something else sometimes in grieving too long by yourself without attaching to anybody to walk with you through it. My best friend from sixth grade through like 11th grade was a guy named Charlie and he died about four years ago and I was home and it hit me so hard and I'm not this big weeper crier kind of person. And my wife was there and I went downstairs and I even pulled out pictures from my scrapbooks growing up. And I went through those and I was thinking, here's this guy, Charlie, who knew me as well as anybody during that season of our lives and the craziness of adolescence and and the fun and the stupid and the day in and day out. We rode our bikes to school together every day, you know, until we could drive back in Birmingham, Michigan. And I just needed to heave. And the best thing was, and this was new for me because I'm kind of a positive Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. My wife did not try to cheer me up. She did not say, oh, that's okay. Just think of all the happy things. She let me go there. She let me go deep there and didn't try to interfere with my need to grieve, to be sad, To even vivify the memories. Like as you go into a scrapbook, I mean, that was intuitively really good on both of your part, Hmm. right? Because what we want to do is we want to vivify the experience because we don't quite accept or understand 
what that means. We don't know the extent of the loss. You didn't understand the extent of loss until you explored it. What does that mean that he's gone now? And then you go through the past, what can't be anymore. So you can create meaning out of it. That's the purpose of grieving. And and you did it. Like, you know, no one instructed you to do that. And no one probably instructed, you know, your wife Mm -hmm. to to Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. She knew enough just to let me go down to the basement, find the scrapbooks Mm -hmm. and just weep. But you didn't resist it. You're, you're talking to me about exactly what we we're talking about the front at the top of this podcast, which was this. Are you going to accept that, you know, like the grace thing? What's the way of, of nature? The way of nature is no, I don't accept this, right? I want to please myself, right? right. You know, one of the things that are in these two accounts is mm-hmm. when Jesus wept, he ended up bringing healing to Lazarus and to that whole community. And, and when he went off, to a lonely place, solitary by himself. When he heard John the Baptist was brutally murdered, he withdrew, but then he didn't drop out of relationships. He got with his close friends, and then he went from there to work and brought healing to other people. And I think that that's, that's a powerful thing that sadness can do. It can help you understand the people around you more potentially. And when you feel lost, one of the most therapeutic things that I've witnessed in my role as pastor is when somebody chooses after a time to plug in, not just with relationships, but plug in to making a difference in somebody else's life and and getting beyond themselves and pitching in and helping. It is a great, I don't know, one-two punch of working through this whole cycle of sadness going deep, feeling it powerfully. I almost said feeling it beautifully. Uh-huh. Because I treasure that time that my wife let me go there. Yes. And I broke down again at the funeral. I just oh, crazy being with old high school and middle school, junior mm-hmm. high friends. And then I was okay. I was still sad. I mean, and mostly sad for Charlie's wife and kids. But mm-hmm. well, that's compassion. That's what what's I treasure that time. Yeah, com- compassion is you described it first from the scriptures and then you just described it how you did it, which was the same thing, you know, really is what you do. Compassion is feeling with because that's what we want. When when you're really down, if you've got a really good friend who understands you, they're not going to try to change it. Or if they understand, let's yeah. say, what sadness is for and, and what to do about it, they're going to let it intensify. And they're going to feel it with. And then compassion also has not just empathy, but it's it's the wish for the suffering to be gone. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what makes compassion different from empathy. So there's some goodwill in compassion that it doesn't necessarily have to be in, in empathy. Mm. Right? But why did you want to vivify it? I mean, what was going on there? I mean, that's, it was really good. And that's what we encourage people to do. But what something drew you to do that? Right. I just, I mean, it was so long ago that we hung out literally every day of the week, you know, that I just, I was curious what I had you know, what photos I had and who the people that we were with and just wanted to see his face Mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know. And then, you know, that flooded more memories that I welcomed, you know, and a lot of, oh yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, all of of the times. And then you realize Mm -hmm. the impact that we potentially have on one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To the degree that you love someone and you loved him, he's a big part of your, Mm -hmm. your, your childhood. Mm -hmm. that's the extent that we'll grieve. So you allowed yourself to attach to him and you'll get the back end of it. That's why we need to make peace with 
sadness and and not resist it, understand it and learn it. And look, some people like to feel it mm-hmm. as long as it isn't a personal loss because people will go see sad movies, right? right? And, and right. they'll listen to sad songs or they'll read romantic poetry or something because they like the way that feels. What they don't want is to lose something important to them. But the feeling in and of itself is not, I tell you, I think it's a pretty gentle emotion. It's a mellow mm-hmm. kind of feeling as long as you don't fight it. Right. Which that's what I think that's what so many of us do. And when you're not a sad person and you see a sad person, you Mm -hmm. want to fix it. Mm -hmm. But the way to fix it is to give them space and just be there quietly with them. I don't know in terms of of steps that that we can take and, and help other people take in your profession and mine is what in ministry you call it practicing the ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. which simply means being present with someone mm-hmm. while they are going through what they are going through mm-hmm. and not speaking into it, which for those of us who are talkers is a big lesson to learn. <laughs> uh, that's right. Well, that's to show compassion for, right? Mm-hmm. We're on your topic, which was a, a deep, profound sadness. If it's grief that you're with, we're going to stay on their topic. And you're there because there is the wish for the suffering to go away. That's very powerful stuff. People need to be, they want to be understood. So if someone loses, for instance, I work with people who have patients who've lost a child. Mm-hmm. And one of the most frustrating things for them is for them, the whole world has changed. It's not ever the same. And they can't understand why no one understands that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how can mm-hmm. they go on and, and keep shopping and when, when this has happened, right? Yeah. My world has stopped. Why has nobody else stopped? Right. And how can they not see it? It's so important. How can they not see that? Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's what they're crying out for is for people to come in and understand it and be with and, and for compassion, right? Yeah. How yeah. can the world be this cold and uncompassionate when this child has just been lost, right? Right. Right. And we need margin in our lives to be able to come alongside people like that. And, you know, there was, I had an old seminary professor who was of pastoral counseling and he said, you can only go as deep with someone as your own level of pain has been. I kind of, I kind of agree with that really. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean don't do anything because really all you, you know, like I tell people when they're new to the profession, I go, look, you're not going to know everything you don't need to. You just need to know more than they do. And then you can help them take them further. But, but I do agree with what you said. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't a practicing clinical psychologist till I got it together myself because I felt, and rightfully, I had nothing to say. Right. Right. That was an amazing encounter. We'll have to go into that one of these times. All right. What else do you have on this? This was a good topic, man. It it was a good call. Yeah. I just think so many people are going through stuff right now. And a couple things that from a Christian worldview, I think – one of the remedies or one of the next steps from sadness is to look for a way to serve mm-hmm. or look for a way to volunteer, just not to run away from it, mm-hmm. but coming out of it to help you process. It's a reminder that, that we are part of life and, and being attached to people and being attached to good things, good projects, mm-hmm. good ways to minister to other people. That's kind of the grace side of the nature mm-hmm. and grace. The other thing that I thought was pretty interesting. And this came up for me a lot with funerals, walking with people through these times of acute loss Mm -hmm. of this major, you know, loved one of their lives. And it's something Jesus himself said during that time with Lazarus, because Lazarus' sister Mary was fussing at Jesus, you know, literally saying, 
Jesus, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And she's yep. probably right. He, she's angry at him. He broke up every funeral he ever attended. Mm-hmm. And she was angry with him. And that in the midst of his sorrow, he kept saying to Mary and to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that was just some kind of a, something that pastors had to say at funerals. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I thought that was invented by people to try to make other people feel better. Just believe in Jesus or something Mm -hmm. like that. Until I realized it's what Jesus himself said. Mm -hmm. He was the one who kept reminding all the mourners about the resurrection, that there is so much more to the universe and to this life and to God than we even understand. And so for us to reduce all of it to our state of sorrow and mourning and loss Mm -hmm. and death is is not the view that he had that he was passing to people. Because how often do we feel helpless when people are living through these times of death and loss? You know, you can feel pretty lame. And, and so many people try to say excuses, you know, oh, God needed another flower in his garden. God only yeah, takes don't say the good that. ones. Don't. Yeah, that's the last thing they want to hear when they've lost someone important to them. Yeah. Right. There's always a reason. Look on the bright side. That's what I loved that Lee just let me. She yes. didn't talk about the bright side. There's a time for that, but it's not until the person's there. Further down the line, much yeah. further down the line. Right now, it's the compassion, the acknowledgement of the loss. And I feel this with you. I understand the extent of your loss, or I'm trying to understand the extent. But mm-hmm. what I would like to do is I'd like to go back to how you started this conversation, which is this. Something bothered you when you saw the way that people, and this bothers me more as much as anything right now, mm-hmm. is how people treat each other when they disagree. Yeah. with each other. Was that what it was that you were looking at? That was that was a definite point of sadness for me. Yes. And that could be a whole nother topic. Well, no, it's the same topic, but it could be. But but I because I think it's right in the wheelhouse here because here's what you you did appropriately. You met that with sadness. The problem that we're having that I'm seeing on the social media is this. Someone gets hurt, right? Or I perceive that someone's getting hurt. They're getting slighted, overlooked. Consider that quote that we read twice today when, as I speak of this. Right. Therefore, rather than me accepting that, that look, you know, you need, and accepting you, it's met with aggression, right? So you aren't sensitive to X group, hmm. right? Therefore, I, rather than accepting that reality, and look, you're going to have to accept it anyway, because you can't control another person. And the more you push them, the, the more that they're going to push back on you. So you're probably doing more damage to, you know, instigate a, an argument or involve right. yourself in an argument. You're probably, it's probably going the direction you don't want it in, but we do it. Right. What would it be like to, cause I did this, I can't say too much about it cause it just happened, but somebody was really angry. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, you, you know, we're not responsible for our first you know, feeling or thought. So my initial thing is like, what the, you know, but (laughs) let that go. (laughs) And then just start listening. And as I listened to this person, I understood some things. And then this person started softening up to me. And I understood that underneath that anger was a tremendous amount of pain. Mm. And it wasn't just one thing. It was lots of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so in this world and with this, we have an election coming up right now and things like that. Like we, a lot less anger, a lot more compassion, understanding if, if for your sake, not for even the other person. The other person doesn't know. Donald Trump doesn't know if you hate him. Nancy Pelosi doesn't know. She doesn't know you exist. Your mm-hmm. hatred will have a great effect on your relationships and your own health and your spiritual health. Right. 
Okay. Was that, did I just preach? Was, did I just preach? Hey, I sounded like along. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah. And I think that in our quiver of arrows of how we respond to things, mm-hmm. we don't immediately jump to sadness. I know. But, but, but which, which would you prefer? So if I, it, like, if we had to take, we, we had to choose a pill, like kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. red pill. Yeah. But, and you're going to say, you're going to have an intense emotion for a half hour. So pick one. You got anger there, so you're going to be intensely angry for a half hour until it wears off. You're going to be intensely scared, right? Or you're going to have an intense, sad sad moment. And Well, let's not even a half hour. Let's say 15 minutes. Sure. Which would you pick? It wouldn't be anger. Right, right. That feels awful. It's exhausting. Well, the aftermath of of so much of that is is not worth it. Okay, so it wouldn't be that. So would it be fearful? You want to be really scared for Mm -hmm. 15 minutes? Like, I'd, I'd I'd take sad. Yeah. Well, especially today, it's rainy day and Monday. Yeah. What is it about that? (laughs) Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But I think that this is really good. Yeah. It's really helpful. And just what sadness communicates is you feel life deeply. What a great way to Mm -hmm. go through life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Do you want to um, pray us out? I would love to. Okay. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this conversation. I thank you that it is a rainy day and a Monday when we're recording this. And for just a chance to hunker down and a chance to be more reflective. Lord, uh, when that leads us to sadness, help us to not fear the sadness. Help us, Lord, to find a way to dive in, to feel life deeply. And God, we remember that you sent your son, Jesus, who felt life deeply and, and is recorded as grieving multiple times in the course of his life. And he's the son of God. God, that's, that's just incredible to actually read the actual accounts that took place. Lord, where the world would see that, the, na- the natural would see that as a sign of weakness for this world leader. God, we see it as a total sign of strength and grace. And I pray that we would see each other that way as we look around and as we feel things deeply, that it would be the same, knowing that in the midst of that, you are the resurrection, you are the life, you are the the way through whatever it is we're facing. So I lift up to you every listener, every friend going through stuff and that you would be with them in the midst of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.